Welcome to the College Football Bros, episode number 300. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros. I'm Michael Newman. I'm Ryan Newman. And I'm Trey Newman. This is a very special episode, episode 300, which is crazy to think about. And Ryan has uh, a very, some very special words for that occasion. This is Sparta! (laughs) (laughs) So dumb. (laughs) Oh my god. Sorry if that was a little loud, folks. Wow. That's going to be unlistenable for sure. uh, Tried doing my best Gerard Butler there. Yeah, yeah, you nailed it, I think. Um, (laughs) Anyway, another crazy weekend of college football. Some ranked teams going down. Uh, Before we get to our week three takeaways, though... Be sure to follow all of us on Twitter. We have very few followers, and it's embarrassing. And, you know, <laughs> it's like people don't even realize we're famous when they right, see us on I Twitter. Know. So, it's a shame. Which yeah. is crazy. Uh, so, anyway, my handle is at CFB underscore Michael. Uh, mine is uh, uh, at Ryan F. Newman 1. And mine is at 3 Newman. All right. So, now let's get into the week three takeaways. Uh, Ryan, what's the first one you have here? Um, I'll go with the the game of the weekend. I'll, I'll I'll take Auburn and Penn State. I'm just gonna kind of cover that one. How like just a great game to watch. Um, you know, it, b- both teams were making plays. You know, the offenses and defenses. You know, you can usually kind of point to at least one area where you feel like okay, this part of the team really struggled. I just didn't really feel like I could point to something that was like, oh, that was really bad or that was really bad. Both teams and both offenses and defenses played well. Um, Penn State passed a little better. Sean Clifford was great. Um, yeah. Auburn ran a little better. Um, you know, they, they have a good duo there. Tank Bigsby is, is a beast. Um, Auburn at the end, of course, they just couldn't quite punch it in to, to try to force overtime, but I, this was just such a fun game to watch. And Sean Clifford stats though, 28 of 32 for 280 yards. I mean, he was awesome. That was, uh, that was good to see if you're a Penn state fan. Bo Nix wasn't quite at his level, but it wasn't like he was bad. He avoided the big mistakes and, uh, but gave us gave his team a chance. But that was just that was a fun game. I'm, I was impressed with both squads. Yeah, we had a uh, we had a three down uh, sequence. Oh, true. There yeah, instead of four. Which <laughs> yeah, pretty crazy. But um, and then I guess that last play from Bo Nix, their their kind of last chance there. I was fine with the no call, but you know it was sort of questionable. Fine with a no call there. All right. Uh, I you know so a couple weeks ago the. The Pac-12 North had a very rough weekend. This weekend, it was the Pac-12 South's turn. So Utah lost at San Diego State in triple overtime. Their offense was horrible for most of the game with uh, Charlie Brewer in there. And he has since left the program, so it's going to be Cameron Rising's job now. Uh, Colorado got shut out at home by Minnesota. Arizona lost to Northern Arizona. Arizona State lost at BYU. Very sloppy game on their part. Turnovers, penalties. Um, and UCLA lost at home to Fresno State, which was an awesome game. Gutsy game-winning drive from from Jake Hayner. But uh, yeah, not great. USC was the only winner at Washington State. The first half was not good, but Jackson Dart, <laughs> the freshman quarterback, came through, and, came through in the second half. So USC might have a, a quarterback controversy brewing. But uh, yeah. Not a good what week is, overall. What is up with SC getting their quarterback injured and the backup just coming in and lighting it up? 
I don't know. <laughs> and interim coaches, like it's it's crazy. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, I got to talk about Alabama and Florida, and maybe Alabama isn't so invincible. I mean, yes, the the Tide are they're still the favorites to win it all, but this weekend kind of showed that they they could be beat. Uh, Florida gave them all they could handle in the swamp. They lost thirty one twenty nine. Florida, of course, failed on a two point conversion with about three minutes to go. But um, it was weird because you know early in the game, Bama went up twenty one three in the first, and it just kind of seemed like the same old script. But from that point on. The Gators did a good job stymieing the Tide. They held Alabama overall to only 330 yards, which in this day and age with with the Tide, the way they've been clicking the last few years, that was surprising. And and what was also surprising, the Gators were held without Anthony Richardson at quarterback. So you kind of thought, uh-oh, it's all on Emory Jones' shoulders. And he ended up doing pretty well. Led long scoring drives, including a 99-yard one uh, late in the game. So it was it, it was just a little surprising because the tide were kind of they were getting beat between the tackles. There wasn't a consistent pass rush that we're kind of accustomed to seeing. I mean, I I'm not like worried about the tide. They're going to be great, of course. But credit to Mullen and the Gators for showing that Alabama can be tested. Yep. Yeah. That sure. that two point conversion attempt was very frustrating to watch. Just Oof. like. At some point, you got to hand it off or yeah, he was, <laughs> yourself. It was just like oh, take the read, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm going to move on to my second one here. I'm going to talk about the uh, the Nebraska OU game. It actually was a game. Uh, Huskers battled, uh, you know, tooth and nail just to try to keep it close. And, you know, the defense in particular um, did really everything they could. Um, they, they kept Spencer Rattler in check. Uh, honestly, Rattler kind of struggled in this game. He didn't he just didn't play well. Adrian Martinez, Nebraska's quarterback, was clearly the better quarterback in this game. Um, unfortunately for Martinez, Nebraska's offensive line is one of the worst in the power five. They just, they cannot run the ball with a running back. It is horrible. I mean, it's, it's really, really bad. Um, the only off running game they have is when things break down and Martinez can scramble. Um, but for OU though, just kind of looking at this, like that's two out of three games where they've kind of struggled with lesser opponents. So it's kind of clear to say that they just aren't as good as we thought they were heading into the year. They could still improve and get to where they ultimately want to go but they were thinking national title and they still could but it seems like a a, a steeper hill to climb right now well and you kind of buried the lead ryan like nebraska if they had a kicker that would have been even more exciting of a game (laughs) well man i I, yeah we don't need to get into that but it's a story man yeah uh it was a rough day for miami they uh they lost at home to Michigan State 38-17. Great win for for Mel Tucker and Michigan State, and they go to 3-0, and so that's a great story. But as for Miami, Manny Diaz uh, could find himself out of a job if he, if he doesn't get this turned around by the end of the year. Uh, he is now 15-12 and in his career there. And I know last year they had a good record, but they also had a couple blowout losses. Like, it hasn't built up so much equity that he couldn't be fired, you know, with a, with a bad year. So... Miami's one and two now. They're a game-winning field goal uh, against App State away from being zero and three. And Derek King has a shoulder injury. We're not sure how serious that is right now. So things are looking sketchy there. The defense good news isn't is playing all that great at all. Like who's that? Defense isn't playing very oh, great, and that's supposed no. to be Diaz's calling card. So, yep. Um, they are. The good news is they they haven't played an ACC game yet, so they're still zero and zero. They've still got a shot to win the Coastal Division because it's not like anyone's looking all that great right on that side um but you know they might be lucky to get to eight and four uh unless they really turn yeah, it around here sure yeah i agree 
uh, I wanted to give some love to the Mountain West. Uh, over the yeah. years, the, it's just kind of run through Boise, but it's it's deep at it's as deep at the top in as long as I can remember. Really, uh, you know, Boise they had a, a crushing one point loss to Oklahoma State this weekend, and same with UCF earlier this year. But they're still legit threat in conference. Michael, you touched on Fresno. They just won at top fifteen UCLA. They gave Oregon all they could a few weeks ago in Autzen. Kalen DeBoer is doing really great with them. You'd mentioned also San Diego State upset Utah. They're 3-0. Brady Hoke, uh, one of the best defenses in the country now. And we we got to see the the new three-overtime rules with just exchanging two-point yes. conversions on that, that mm-hmm. game. Uh, but then you also look at like teams like Nevada. They have a win at Cal. They, had, they have star power with Carson Strong at quarterback, Cooks and Dubs at receiver. Last year's champ, San Jose State, they're going to be a factor with Starkle, Blake Anderson, is working some magic uh, with Utah State. They're 3-0, including a win at Wazoo. And no one's talking about Wyoming. Craig Bull has them 3-0. Yeah. You know, Air Force, I could go on and on. I'm just excited to see the conference shake out because a lot of these games are on Saturday night, so it'll be fun throughout the fall. Yeah, yeah we're, we're West Coast of, guys, so we. Yeah. I, it is, it's good to see the Mountain West doing well. Well, we when we were talking about the preview season, we, 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 it seemed like every single team was like bringing back like almost everybody, you know? Mm-hmm. So we, we kind of knew going into the year the Mountain West, like, well... It's kind of panning out to probably be a good year, and it's it's turning out to be the turning out to be true. Um, all right, I like that one, Trey. Uh, let's go with uh, some Ohio State slash Clemson, more more so Clemson. Uh, kind of some offensive issues. I sent I kind of touched on this a little bit in week one after Clemson's not so good performance against Georgia, but that was against Georgia. All right, kind of I could understand it. This is getting a little bit a uh, little little too much. DJ Uyunglele. He went 18 of 25 for just 126 yards, so five yards per attempt against Georgia Tech, who doesn't have that great of a defense. So that's uh, that's not good. Uh, they ran for only 3.9 yards per carry, so there's just no way that this team can win a national title with an offense that's playing like this right now. Uh, yeah. They have to come a long, long way, and I'm not sure they can come that far in you know just a matter of a couple month or two. So that's uh, that's that's maybe one of the most surprising things of the year for me, just how bad they look on offense agree um then you know ohio state they're having some issues too i mean not the level of issues of that clemson is but not even close not even close but well, they, they have the defense they have defense that's defense. what i was gonna say yeah, yeah. like you know ohio state has some defensive issues that clemson can just lean on their maybe best defense in the country type so cj stroud's kind of you know he's kind of struggled a little bit he struggled against tulsa um i mean he's not he's not like he's been bad but you know, compared to what they're used to in the Ryan Day offense that, that they've had the last few years have just been amazing. This is just kind of like good. <laughs> you know, so yeah, right. the running game is pretty good. But yeah, so it's like, well, they're going to have to get back to their level of being elite if they want to, you know, win a national title because that's what, it's, you know, their defense can't carry them there. So, you know, maybe I've, you know, there's some, I, you know, you see some things about how state fans not being happy with Stroud. Maybe give somebody else a chance. Maybe the, the million dollar man will get a shot, Quinn Ewers. Um, <laughs> or but, McCord, yeah, or or McCord, but I don't know. It's just they they gotta step it up a little bit. It's it's a little concerning. Yep, and that sort of concern from Ohio State and Clemson, of course, both um, already have a loss, so they could, and they don't look invincible. They could, of course, each yeah. drop one at some point in conference play. That opens the door potentially for Cincinnati, who remains undefeated. Yes. They beat Indiana thirty eight twenty four. Turnovers were the main difference in that game. And and it, Cincinnati's road looks a lot easier now than it did 
at the beginning of the season. Well, first of all, they've gotten by one of the tough tests at Indiana, but also Notre Dame doesn't look as good as it has been the last couple of years. UCF just lost Dylan Gabriel to a collarbone injury last week, which is brutal um, in their last play of their loss against Louisville. And um, so that, that, that that's good news for them as far as their odds of going undefeated. The bad news is that their schedule is not going to look great, right? They might only play one top 25 team all year. Um, So, you know, before the season, I would have made Cincy a favorite to make the playoff if they went undefeated. Now with that schedule, it's maybe closer to 50-50. But then uh, by the same token, the we mentioned Clemson and Ohio State could have two losses. So it's kind of maybe it's kind of evening out. But uh, I don't know. Fortunately, it's, Notre Dame has a lost. I know they haven't looked good, but true. fortunately, they're three and zero. Uh, they need they need Notre wins, Dame to get better or just keep winning close. Squeak out a nine and three, ten and two type year, in Notre Dame, and yeah. obviously one of the losses being to Cincy and. I think it's realistic. They've Notre Dame's got past a few like games where they easily could have lost already. So, you know, man, Indiana they 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 had that they they struggled in the red zone, turned it over a few times. That was weird, weird game. All right, uh, I'll finish this off, and we got to talk about Ole Miss, and we got to take Matt Corral and that crew seriously. Like they've improved in all of the metrics through through three weeks. Matt Corral obviously has to be one of the Heisman front runners. Earlier, earlier this year, they whipped Louisville, who we we just saw beat UCF. Then this past weekend, though, they just destroyed Tulane, sixty-one to twenty-one. Yeah. You, know, you know, remember Tulane gave Oklahoma a game early in the season. The yeah. Rebels they held Michael Pratt, who's a pretty good quarterback, to under two hundred yards. Ole Miss offense had over seven hundred yards of offense. Matt Corral had seven touchdowns. Uh, Lane's boys they've averaged over six hundred a game. You know they're going to get a chance to prove it. Of course, in a couple of weeks they play Alabama, but no matter what happens, they're really good right now. Yeah, defense looks improved too. Yeah, that was the thing. I mean, but the offense is not missing a beat at all. You thought with some no. of those skill players that they lost that they would, I don't know, maybe take a slight step back, but has not so far. No, and no, no six interception games from uh, Matt Corral yet. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> not yet. All right, let's uh, move on here and. Guys, we, for the first time all season, are going to enter the trivia zone. Ooh. Ooh. Um, I'm going to ask you a trivia question here. Trivia. Doesn't matter what it is, you have answers. Zone. When you ask me those kind of questions, it really pisses me off. Trivia zone. So Will Rogers of Mississippi State had 67 pass attempts in a 31-29 loss at Memphis, tied for the most in one game by any SEC player ever. Name the quarterback he tied, who did it for Kentucky in 1998. Tim Couch. Tim Couch is correct. Good work, well Ryan. Done, Ryan. Thank you. Uh, three wow, Tim S- Couch had 67. That's crazy. I know. He had another game. Well, he had another game where he had 66. I'm about to ask you the three players uh, about the three players who had 66 pass attempts. Oh. One of them was Tim Couch. In 1997 against LSU. Uh, the first one, though, was John Reeves of Florida in 1969. Wow. In that game, he set the record for most interceptions in a game, which <laughs> still stands today. <laughs> how, many inter- how many interceptions did he throw? Nine. Nailed it. Nine. Oh, <laughs> Ryan is up. I just took a while. And that was there. actually, surprisingly, just, that was Florida's only loss of the season. And Just he was their fire the whole year. <laughs> That's incredible. 
Okay, so and then <clears throat> the third player to do it was to have sixty six pass attempts was um, a player who played for Vanderbilt in two thousand five. Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler. I was yes. yeah okay yeah. Sorry, beaches. I'll, I'll let Trey answer. try and answer a question here. No, I, w- I would have said Cutler, but yeah, course, he would have got it. I just. It was in Elasta, Kentucky. He threw five touchdowns all to one player. Who who was it? Which wide receiver? Jordan Matthews. That's too. Yeah, that was later. I think. Jordan Matthews. What's uh, that? Uh, yeah, Matthews would have been later, right? Yeah, <laughs> just Vandy of... receiver. Wow, it's not coming to mind. All right, he played for the Bears. So did Cutler. Yeah, I uh, think that they must have played together. I can't quite remember, but must have. Hmm. The wide receiver for the Bears. Drawn a blank. Earl. The Pearl. Earl. E-B. Wow. What? EB. Initials. Earl Bennett. Yeah, there oh. you go. There we wow. go. I didn't That's hear the really Earl part. That's my like... bad. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So um, now let's see. Fun fact just about that. Seven players have thrown exactly 69 pass attempts in a game. Five of them were coached by Michael Leach. Oh, All right, yeah. Moving on to... Just another fun fact. I went crazy on the play index, so Good. humor fun. me for a while here. Uh, this one's not even a trivia question. I, I Just a fact. So Colorado put up 63 yards of total offense against Minnesota this past weekend. That's the Are fewest. You, whoa, I didn't notice that. Yeah. I knew they got, wow. Yeah, fewest yards of offense gained by any home team in a non-conference game since 2002, and that team in 2002 was Colorado. They gained 61 Ooh. yards against USC which at the time was a, a non-conference game. All right, now I've got a question for you guys. So Matt Corral had three passing touchdowns and four rushing touchdowns against Tulane. Only one other player since 2000 has done that, a quarterback from Kansas State. Which one? Since when? 2000? Since 2000. Okay, so that would have been Michael Bishop was gone. Oh, what no, about... No, but this uh, happened in 2012. No, I know. It was okay. Colin Klein? Colin Klein, exactly. All right. So uh, that was in a 55-14 win against West Virginia. And then a lot of quarterbacks have had three passing touchdowns and three rushing touchdowns uh, in the same game. I'm going to name the, some of the schools who've had a player do it since 2000, and you tell me the player. Okay. Syracuse. Ooh. Donovan McNabb, was he a 99? Probably, no, he was too early. No. Yeah, he was uh, too early. Uh, Eric Dungy. Eric Dungy. Oh, Texas A and M, Johnny Manziel, yep, Mississippi State, Nick Fitzgerald, Dak, no, or Fitzgerald, D- Dak Prescott. You think oh, Nick okay. Fitzgerald is capable of throwing three passes in <laughs> one game? No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm sure he did. I'm sure he did that at some point. But uh, LSU, oh. uh, rushing and passing. Wow, because like Matt I Flynn. don't. It it had to be a long game. Oh, oh, was it Burrow? Yeah. He the did Texas it. A&M game? Yeah, the, <laughs> yeah exactly. 7-4-72. Uh, UCF. Mackenzie Milton? Mackenzie Milton. And then we'll do one more here. Washington. And it was Washington in... No. It was in the Alamo Bowl against Baylor. Oh. Oh. Uh, no, no, no. It was um, Price? Price. Yeah, Keith Price. Oh, exactly. Keith Price. Nice call, Trey. Good work. So there you have it. That's the trivia zone. Oh, All right. Yeah. Moving on to week four here. Uh, we got Notre Dame against Wisconsin. This game is being played in Chicago. Badgers are favored six and a half, Trey. 
Well, there's a lot of storylines in this one, but obviously one of the biggest is seeing Jack Cohn go up against his former Badgers. And he's going to need help from his rushing attack, in my opinion. Notre Dame, they're only getting three and a half yards per carry this year, even with a guy like Kyron Williams. And it's going to be tough because you're going up against a Wisconsin defensive front that's pretty pretty strong. They've only allowed 66 yards rushing in two games, with one of those being Penn State. But on the other side, alternatively for Wisconsin, the Mertz, he, he didn't look all that great when getting pressured against Penn State. We saw him force a couple, had some turnovers. But I really don't see them having the same bizarre red zone issues that they had um, against Penn State. And I think they'll they'll kind of shore that up a li- at least a little bit better against the Irish. Um, maybe I'm not as high on Wisconsin as I was to start the year, but they've had an extra week here to prepare. I could see their ground game taking control late like Florida State's did against Notre Dame. So I'm going to take the Badgers. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, Notre Dame, they're defensively, I think their strength has been obviously pass, pass defense. Kyle Hamilton's such a stud back there it's tough to throw on him but I think Wisconsin can take advantage of them on the ground like kind of kind of like Trey mentioned him you know I, I I'm not the biggest fan of uh, Graham Mertz but you know I think they'll, they'll have enough to muster and Penn State's kind of proven to be a, real, a, a good team obviously they had to look pretty good versus um versus Auburn so Notre Dame uh, they've they've managed to get to three and oh but I just think with this uh this Wisconsin batter team I think this is kind of this is where they got to get exposed at some point it's got to cost them I think it'll be here I, I lean towards your guys' opinion there. Um, I do think this number, you know, feels about right, though. I mean, that's pretty sizable favorite for uh, for this game. So I'm I'm not going to go with that. I'm going to go for a weird bet because I'm just going to oh, keep going with one weird bet this. a week. Wow. <laughs> well, I did it last week, and I'm one for one, so I'll do it until I lose, which will probably be won't be long. Don't worry. Uh, I'm going to do Notre Dame team total under twenty and a half, just because. I don't know. Wisconsin's defense is so good. Uh, I think they're getting Leo Chanel back this week. And I don't know. I mean, Jack Cohn, I know he looked good against Fresno or uh, Florida State, but uh, hasn't been as good the past couple weeks. And Notre Dame's running game hasn't been, you know, nearly as good as it has been in previous years. So I'm just, yeah. I don't see them scoring much. So I'll, I'll take that under. All right. Moving on to a another neutral site game. We got Texas A&M. Minus five and a half against Arkansas, and this is be, being played in Dallas at, at Jerry World. Ryan, which way are you leaning here? I'm taking the Razorbacks. Yep. I, I like the way they've been playing. I think they've got a good recipe for success there with the the ground game. They have the kind of the variety of the ground game they have, including the quarterback, K.J. Jefferson. Um, and I don't trust Texas A&M's offense. I know they, I don't know, tried to maybe find themselves against a little bit against New Mexico. But it wasn't a very great performance against them. No. They put up, I think, 34. And, I mean, it, they didn't score in the fourth quarter. But still, it was, you know, less than stellar. Arkansas, is, I think they're riding into this on a high. I think they're ready to go. Um, I think they'll be playing well. I just, I like the Razorbacks this year, man. I have kind of was on them in the Texas game. I'm going to keep riding the, 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 the Razorbacks. So, give me uh, Arkansas. Okay, I'm I'm going to be curious to see whether Arkansas can effectively run the ball against A&M because that's the way they dominated Texas was on the ground. Uh, they didn't have to ask KJ Jefferson to do much through the air, at least. And I, I think he's going to be asked to do more in this game because it's against by far the best defense he's faced. Um, and they could be missing two starters uh, on the offensive line. So I don't know if the running game is, is quite going to be there like it was against Texas. Um, I mean, I don't feel great about Zach Calzada and, and the A&M offense either, so I'm not super confident here, but I will yeah. lay the points with A&M. Yeah, I think most of the computer ratings would, would 
definitely lean to A&M here, but I just, I, it's hard for me to back their offense. I know their defense is legit. It's going to be a major challenge for the Razorbacks, but Traylon Burks got a little more involved last week, and I kind of trust Kendall, Kendall Bryles to maximize their offensive talent just to at least cover here. It might not win, but at least cover. Yep, yep. And this, that game's being played, I don't know if you mentioned it already, Trey, but that's at Jerry World. I did. Thanks for listening, Oh, you did. Mike. Okay, I, I don't listen. I'm sorry. Yep. I appreciate yep. it. Yep. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Uh, next game, we got Clemson. Uh, they are favored 10 at NC State. What are we thinking here? Uh, Ryan, I don't know if you mentioned it, but Clemson's favorite. <laughs> so Didn't mention that. Uh, uh, if, if, if you'd have told me this spread, though, before the year, I would have thought, wow, ooh, NC yeah. State must have gotten off to a hot start. Um, but that is not really the case. Uh, it's Clemson, this, this line is because Clemson's offense, like we talked about, has been not good at all. Um, even against the FCS uh, opponent they played. Like, you look at Uyunglele's yeah. numbers there, it wasn't good. So I'm going to take 10 points at home with NC State because I think it's going to be a pretty low-scoring game. I'm just going to wait for the Clemson offense to to prove that it's not mediocre. I'm, so, I'm sure at some point they'll wake up, but until they do, I guess I'll just bet against them. Um, and NC State's one loss to Mississippi State, I think, was a little misleading. It was largely turnovers-based. Right, true. Um, but I really wanted to take NC State here with this many points, but I just feel like everyone is burying Clemson's offense and saying it's going to hold them back. And, and yeah, it very well could, but I'm going to forgive last week's performance a little bit against Georgia Tech. There was, there were weather delays. It was kind of an odd game. And you kind of mentioned that the turnovers, Mike, with against Mississippi State, like Devin Leary has looked really good. But in that particular game, it, it wasn't you know his finest, and and Mississippi State's defense isn't quite what Clemson's defense. Clemson's got a very good defense. We at least know that side of the ball is good, so I think they can keep Le- Leary in check. I think Uyunglele is going to bounce back, and I'm actually going to make Clemson my lock of the week. Oh, bold. It's bold. bold. It's bold. I know. Very bold. This is their comeback. Yeah, I'm going to disagree. Uh, I'm going to say they they don't find their offense. I, it's three straight games where it just hasn't been good. Uh, it's not just like a uh, – it doesn't feel like it's just waiting to pop. I think they're just going to continue to struggle. Um, and NC State, I'm not – you know, obviously the loss to Mississippi State was concerning, but I still think believe in them. I thought they were going to have a good season coming in. And Devin Leary, I like. So I think they'll come up with enough plays to maybe score, I don't know, two touchdowns, and that might be you – know, I don't know if Clemson can get to 24, so – uh, yeah, I'm going to agree with Michael. Take the Wolfpack. All right. Next game we have is SMU at TCU. Battle for the yeah. Iron Skillet. The Horned Frogs are favored by nine. What do you think, Ryan? Yeah, boy, SMU was lucky to win last week uh, at Louisiana Tech. That didn't hurt us at all, right, guys? Hail Mary. That was that crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Hail Mary at the end there. But uh, they're 3-0. and So, uh, you know, this, this is uh, they, they both are. So this is a big, uh, or TCU is 2-0, excuse me. Uh, but they're both undefeated. It's a big game in uh, the state of Texas. OU transfer uh, Tanner Mordecai is off to a great start for for SMU, uh, and arguably his favorite weapon is another OU transfer, tight end Grant Calcaterra. Um, so they're they're looking pretty good. Um, and I'm going to take them with the points here. Um, TCU really had to fight off a somewhat subpar Cal team, um, so I think SMU will be able to make this one interesting um, and just at least keep it within the points. This is also the hundredth iron skillet. Ooh, that's a, Ryan, do you have uh, any uh, any uh, proclamations uh, for that? 
Let me think about that one for a moment. Yeah, Sparta for 300, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> 100, Just I don't got know. got the 100 verbal emoji. Um, but yeah, this this could be a shootout. Uh, I had a tough time, kind of went back and forth on this one, because SMU's defense does leave a lot to be desired. Like Louisiana Tech just put up over, or almost 500 yards against them. So I could see Max Duggan uh, having success through the air, Zach Evans getting some big gains on the ground. But I'm I'm like you. I'm going to take the points, because uh, I am I'm the, the resident Horned Frog kind of fan on this podcast and i just wasn't entirely pleased with what i saw against cal like you mentioned uh they could have easily lost that game and i just think that like you said mordecai could put up some gaudy numbers ulysses bentley on the ground uh could get some yards so i think tcu will win especially with a bye week to prepare but i'm going to take the points for maybe a backdoor cover with smu i am going smu as well um mordecai has been great and i think he's got arguably the best like surrounding skill talent of any quarterback in the g5 i that's just off the top of my head maybe there's some other obvious one but they're they're up there and um yeah we saw tcu make chase garbers uh was that last week no it was two weeks two ago. weeks two ago, weeks ago yeah. look like you know a high-flying explosive offense so i, I think smu can do some damage to so i'm gonna make smu my lock Ooh. of the week all right moving on uh which of these big 12 matchups are you most intrigued by because there's a lot of, of of good big 12 games this weekend kansas state at oklahoma state oklahoma state's favorite six west virginia at ou minus 16 and a half texas tech at texas minus eight and a half or iowa state minus seven at baylor i mean i could see why you'd make a case for all these games but personally i'm going iowa state at baylor uh, a lot of people just wrote off iowa state after their narrow win against northern iowa and then the loss to Iowa. But I think they're still a very good team. Uh, they took it out against UNLV last week. And now it's a clean slate going forward into conference play. And then on the other side, you got Baylor. They're 3-0 and for Dave Aranda. But they've, they haven't played a single soul yet, really. Um, but, you know, with that said, their defense is very strong. Terrell Bernard is a four-set linebacker. But I just want to see if the offense has actually improved from last year. And they have a chance to prove it here. Can Bohannon play well? enough against an, a stout iowa state defense so we're going to learn a lot about both teams i chose that game as well because you know iowa state is still the the second favorite to win the big 12 behind ou and if they keep winning obviously that's that'll continue they'll be the second favorite but seven is not a huge spread so they could very easily lose this game and if that happens that really throws chaos into who's gonna you know likely face ou in the Big 12 right. championship, because suddenly then you, you know, Texas, TCU, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, there would be a long list, K State, long list of teams that would feel right. they have a shot. Yeah, this is, it's, it's a kind of a fun week here for the Big 12 already. Um, I, I'll go with a different one. I'll take Texas Tech at Texas, kind of like watching this game in years past. It's been a kind of a fun little rivalry, but, you know, Texas Tech is 3 0. Nobody's really talking about them yet. I know they beat a decent Houston team in week one. Um, and then Tyler Shuck's been playing pretty solid. Uh, so if Matt Wells can go into Austin and pull out a win, you know, all of a sudden they're sitting at 4-0 with a win over Texas. Matt Wells is maybe saving his job, uh, going for one more year. So uh, and it's a big it's a big game for Matt Wells and his, you know, if he's going to be there past this year. I agree. All right, let's uh, get to the honorable mentions, Trey. All right, leading us off, we got Marshall at App State. App State is favored seven, and this game is on Thursday night. Fun one to kick off the week. And it's a rematch of last year when Marshall actually upset App State. 
Marshall, though, they they're coming in. They lose. They lost a 17 point lead late to ECU. Gave up a ton of yards. The good thing though is they got Grant Wells, and that herd offense has averaged over 600 yards per game. The thing I don't like though is they they've turned it over three times in all three games. Wells is forced to throw in five picks. So I think App State's going to take advantage, prove they're one of the better G5 teams with only their their only loss that two point heartbreaker at Miami. Next, we got Wake Forest at Virginia. Virginia's favored four. This game's on Friday night. Uh, I'm going to take the points here with Wake Forest. Could see some fireworks with these two quarterbacks, Hartman and Armstrong. Virginia just gave up 700 yards of offense to North Carolina. Christian Bale Smith for Wake. He's licking his chops as the Cavaliers gave up 200 yards per game on the ground. And the strength of the Deacons' uh, defense is their secondary. They've played well against the pass so far, which is crucial against Armstrong. Not saying they're going to slow him down a lot, but enough. I'll roll with Clawson's boys. And then finally, we got Rutgers at Michigan. Michigan's given 20 and a half. Even though Rutgers' offense doesn't bring a whole lot to the table, I'm going to take the, the three touchdowns here. Rutgers is third in the nation in turnover margin. They haven't turned it over themselves. I know they haven't faced a team like Michigan, but it's a positive sign. I'm banking on Shiano's D to kind of muck the game up enough to not let guys like Blake Corum run wild. And the Wolverines have a date at Wisconsin next week, so I'm going to say they win, but not by more than 20. Okay, I've got Missouri minus one and a half at Boston College. Uh, BC, of course, without Phil Dracovic and Dennis Grossell is replacing him. That's a big downgrade. He was terrible against a bad Temple team. Um, he didn't need to do anything because Temple's offense is so bad, but he's going to be asked to do a lot more in this game, and I think there's the potential that he struggles. So, give me Missouri. I'm you Michael. S- I'm going to make that my lock. I'm sorry. It's a. It's a. Yeah. Ooh. Interrupted lock wow. there. Yeah. Yeah. That's sorry. just really throwing this whole thing off. Sorry. You want to add anything <laughs> else, or I covered no, pretty just, well. I like that one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> UCLA minus four and a half is my next game uh, at Stanford. Tanner McKee seems like a breakout player at quarterback for Stanford, but I think this is a great matchup for UCLA. They, of course, love to run the ball on offense, and Stanford's rush defense has been consistently terrible this year. I know it's only been three games, but I feel like it's getting to be a large enough sample to, to say it's, it is not a good rush defense. Almost six yards per carry on the season, so I will take the Bruins there. And then we got Tennessee at Florida. Gators favored 20 I think Tennessee is a way better team with Hendon Hooker at quarterback uh, than yes. with Joe Milton. So as long as, as Hooker is starting, I'll pick them. As of this recording, there's been no announcement, so we, we don't quite know. But I'm I'm just betting that it's likely that, that Hooker plays most of this game. So I will take them plus, plus the 20. Hooker and Lane Hatcher, just come on, guys. I know. I will play. say James Blackman got into... Uh, I think yeah. a week ago and played really well i don't know what happened this past weekend with arkansas state if they if they played but well, they played a tough one at washington so oh that's right they got killed yeah so yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right well probably both quarterbacks didn't do well yeah they both i think struggled uh all right my games first one nebraska at michigan state sparty's favored five got to be impressed with sparty uh what they've done so far kenneth walker has been a stud running the ball peyton thorne at quarterback's been extremely efficient defense looks good I know Nebraska, you know, perked up a bit at OU, but that brutally bad offensive line, I think they're going to struggle to score. And, you know, Nebraska's D might start getting a little more leaky if the offense continues to leave them on the field so much. So give me the Spartans. LSU is favored two and a half um, at Mississippi State. 
Neither team runs the ball very well, both under 90 yards per game on the ground. Mississippi State's like 45, but you know, it's Mike Leach offense. Um, LSU needs to step that up, though. Um, Mississippi State lost a close one last week uh, to Memphis. So I'm going to go with the Tigers and LSU here. Max Johnson, I think, keeps getting better and better. Um, he's got a great weapon to throw to in Kayshawn Boutte. So give me them by about a field goal. Uh, UTSA at Memphis. Memphis is favored three. A couple of uh, 3-0 and teams here. So a pretty big game. Definitely for UTSA here. This is kind of uncharted territory. I'm going to roll with them. Roll with the, roll with the Roadrunners. Uh, I like their QB running back wide receiver trio of Frank Harris and Sear McCormick, who's kind of the ringleader. Uh, and then Zakari Franklin at wideout. I think their D also has a slight edge in this game. So give me the Roadrunners. All right. Let's uh, close out this episode then with a questionable finish. USC freshman quarterback Jackson Dart put up big numbers replacing Keaton Slovis last week. Dart is a great name for a quarterback. What are some other memorable great names for a particular position? I'm going to go back to 2007, 2008. Uh, a wide receiver for Marshall. His name was Darius Passmore. That's a good one. Nice. Yeah, Passmore. I like that. I love that. Um, I've got a couple current players. Uh, we've got another Pac-12 quarterback, Gunnar Cruz. Just always a great name. That's pretty good. And yep. then we've got, for Texas Tech, a player named L.B. Moore, who is listed as a D lineman, but he was a linebacker coming out of high school. So, you know, I, close enough. I'll he's take more it. of a linebacker. Yeah, he's he's... 260 pounds so maybe you put him on the edge i have no idea but call him a linebacker <laughs> i liked uh a few years ago for louisville the quarterback Juwan pass yeah like, no, that's true he yeah. has to be one yep. yeah he did not pass very well as last year he, he did not he kind of struggled. yeah uh last weekend college football ran from 9 a.m pacific time until just past 1 a.m besides sports what's the longest period straight you've watched something it wasn't that long, but back during the the lockdown, I rewatched Entourage, one of my favorite mm. shows ever, and one of those days was just kind of a marathon of it. Nice. Uh, for me, it's uh, The Hills, uh, the reality show. <laughs> oh my this God. was when I was at USC one summer, and pretty much everyone was gone, and so on the weekends, I really didn't have much to do other than watch the is that like the oc show or what is this like it's like it's sort of like the oc reality show though it was lauren conrad um okay right so you're cool i am cool all right (laughs) uh i went 24 hours of watching college basketball um i don't think they do this anymore but remember i think it was like a handful of years ago whatever they would have like some really like meak schools or something you know it'd be like they still do it last year they just didn't because of the covid oh really Oh, okay, yeah. So, like, St. Peter's and Canisius or something will play at, like, 3 a.m. randomly or 6 a.m., you know, east time, 3 a.m. here. And so I did that. I think it was, like, it was a while ago. I was in college, I think, when I did it. But it was fun. All right. Last question. We got to pick an upset special. Uh, Seven-plus point underdog to win outright. I'm going to take Texas Tech over Texas. Uh, Their defense is is improved this year. They're running the ball well with Taj Brooks at running back. Ryan, you mentioned uh tyler shuck having a solid year so we'll see i mean we'll see which which texas shows up um yeah this is definitely not a gimme for them so i i hit san diego state plus eight last week against utah very nice i'm swinging for the i'm confident i'm swinging for the fences here i'm gonna take tennessee getting 20 at florida they went all in last week against bama i like I, i know they've owned tennessee and the vols of their issues but maybe hendon hooker can can get loose 
I like it. I like that one. Yeah, that's good. That's a good one. Uh, all right, I'm going to go with uh, Utah State. I'll take the Aggies. They're getting nine against Boise. Um, this game's going to be in Logan, Utah. Blake Anderson's done a good job. They've beaten Washington State and eight, and Air Force, so they've beaten a couple of decent teams. You know that, um, Logan that, game's at, that game's at 10 a.m. local time? Yeah, it's, it's a very early. One. I noticed that. I'm like, wow. Yeah, that's a weird, uh, weird start time. I'm not sure if that's a disadvantage for the home team or what, but I don't know. We've had a couple of games before 9 a.m. Pacific time this year, which is yeah, really weird. Is that before 9 a.m. Pacific? No, uh, it's 9, but it's, oh, no, it's, it's 9 10 a.m. or 10 mountain. But it's yeah. a 10 a.m. local yeah. kick. That's well, All right, then we've right, had right, one. There yeah. was one. I don't remember which one. <laughs> I think it was like a Virginia game maybe. Yeah, it was like, it was, like last game. week. Uh, okay. Yeah, a couple weeks ago, I think. All right. Well, that'll do it for this week's episode of the College Football Bros. Again, follow us on Twitter and follow the podcast there as well, at CFB Bros, and you'll find all of our handles in the the bio there. Uh, So thanks for listening, and we will talk to you next week. You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. To keep up with the brothers on social media, Like them on Facebook at College Football Bros. Follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros. And for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening.